And uh, I also did a garden where I put one of those hoop houses over and I planted uh, scotch curly kale, chicory, and uh, Brussels sprouts. And that was like a month ago. Mm. And they're all up and they're all growing. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maritime Gardening Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Doggett, and uh, we're connected up again with the host, Greg Otten. How you doing, Greg? Hey, I'm doing great. Excellent. And I, I think this will be a very fitting time to record this episode because you, you just got in from the garden not long ago. Is that right? That's right. It's uh, supposed to be a rainy day today, so I canceled all my uh, business activities and since it wasn't raining yet, I've been out working in my garden all day today. Cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, the, what we've made this episode, which is episode 36, is uh, basically an early May garden update from Greg. So take it away. Yeah, so uh, I thought I'd do a little episode today just telling people what I have planted thus far and what's up and what's growing and just what's going on in my garden so that people that are thinking of planting or have planted or they're wondering why, why isn't this happening or why isn't that happening or what should I be doing or whatever um, can, uh, you know, any sort of gardeners love comparing notes, you know, what, you know, are you, is this up? What's up? You know, what's growing? How big are yours? Are you having problems with this or that? So I thought it would be helpful for anyone uh, in that situation. And, uh, with the disclaimer that what's happening here in my yard, in my mm -hmm. microclimate, mm -hmm. uh, may not be the same as where you are. You, you may be behind or ahead of me. Um, we did an episode on zones, but mm -hmm. they're they're very uninformative. Uh, they're really good, as we said in the episode. They're they're good in telling you what what's the likelihood that a certain plant can survive your winter. Right. But it'll say like zone planting schedule, growing zone planting schedule, and it's very um, it's hit or miss. Like, I'm supposed to be in zone six. Right. But uh, I, I watch a guy on YouTube, and we're going to be doing an interview with him, hopefully. I, I won't say the guy's name because this is all up in the air right now. But we're right. doing an interview. But this guy's in Zone 5, which is should be colder than here. Mm -hmm. um, but this guy's garden's way further along than mine right now. It's fantastic. Right. Um, because where he lives, even though the winter is colder, um, the spring comes sooner and the summer is hotter. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's you really have to, wherever you live... Uh, you know, it's good to use these schedules as an indication of when maybe to start, but uh, other indications are perhaps more accurate. Uh, that is to say, as we've said in other, other episodes, just having a look around during the spring at, at what wild things are happening, what's, you know, what birds are around, what's coming up, what's going on, um, and also looking at your perennials. Are they up? You know, are the dandelions up? Are the... Uh, maple trees budding what's what's going on because all of those are signs of life you know are your mm -hmm. garlic you know mm -hmm. are your garlic up is your rhubarb come up blah blah blah, blah. so uh, I have found over the years that those things tend to be better indications of what's happening also just the temp the general temperature of the soil I'll, I'll give an example I was 
I decided to plant my potatoes today. And, you know, often I wait another, I usually plant them around the middle of May. Um, but this is when I had time to do it. I, it's kind of supposed to be raining for like 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really. The forecast keeps saying that, but then we keep having these days where it doesn't really rain that much at all. Um, so it's a little confusing. Um, anyway, I decided to put my potatoes in today, but I decided to let my hands my hands have the final word on that. And that is to say, you know, I'm working in the garden. I've got very thin gloves. Those There's mm. different kinds of gloves you can use for gardening, but I use this time of year, I use very thin ones because you have really good dexterity. So it's almost like having your bare hands. Right. And they don't have any insulative value. This is just cheap, like 2 or $3 uh, dollar store gloves. Mm -hmm. But it's just thin, thin latex, really. And so if the ground's cold, you can feel it. So... You know, for me, if if you're digging in the ground six or eight inches deep and your hands are going numb, it's probably too cold for potatoes. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. potatoes are alive. Yeah. Right? When you buy seed potatoes or if you store your own seed potatoes, they're alive. And if they get too cold, they die. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to go too early. Um, so uh, we'll see. I stuck mine. I planted all my potatoes today. <laughs> So it's, it's all or nothing. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hopefully they'll be, I'll try to resist the urge to dig them up a little bit and see what's happening. I always do that and end up breaking off the eyes and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's hard to resist the curiosity to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I plant mine differently than other people. Uh, traditionally, you're supposed to, oh, you, you put them in rows and you hill them up and all that sort of stuff. I don't I don't do that. I, I dig down. I don't have any hills or rows like that in my garden and all everything's flat mm -hmm. but i have a layer of mulch over everything so when i plant a potato I, I just dig down to about my wrist and stick the potato in the hole and then fill it back in and put, you know put the mulch back on top uh so that's that's how i do it and it seems seems to work just fine that and that way you don't have to hill them or anything like that they're not gonna right they're not gonna pop out of the soil and turn green or anything like that because mm -hmm. they're, they're deep enough and you the mulch will rise up a little bit when your potatoes start forming the mulch will rise up instead of being if you just have bare earth it tends to get pushed out of the way by the potatoes as they develop mm -hmm. then your then your potatoes are exposed to the sun they turn green they don't taste good and uh, they get uh, well, they're, i guess technically they're poisonous in some way not, mm. not poisonous like i don't think it's kill you poisonous just poisonous in the sense that doesn't taste good and right. um probably doesn't agree with you um Anyway, so yeah, I was putting my potatoes in today, and man, if I can do it here, probably anywhere in, in the Maritimes, it's probably doable. Because where I am, it tends to be a lot colder. You know, I was when we were at that uh, that trade show, the Youth Expo. Yeah, I can never remember the name of that. Um, <laughs> the Youth Expo. Um, I was talking to uh, a guy uh, from Taproots, I believe, and they planted their potatoes then. Like they had just planted like a field of potatoes. Wow. And uh, I think the, the variety was called Superior, which I, I plant some of those as well. It's a nice white potato. tastes very good. Um, I would never think of doing that in, in April here. Mm -hmm. But he's in the valley and he's a whole hour away from me. <laughs> yeah. But his soil is differently different too. So my soil is um, very, uh, it's got a lot of organic matter in it. It's got a lot of... Uh, uh, stuff like that, so it tends to be very wet. Mm -hmm. Whereas his his soil, according to him, I believe he was saying it's very sandy. So sandy soil wouldn't be quite as wet. So mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of things, when if you plant them too early, it's it's not just the cold. It's it's a combination of too cold and too wet right? without enough heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, warm and wet's great, <clears throat> but cold and wet, uh, a lot of things uh, don't like that. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, it really depends. But anyway, I'm putting my potatoes in, so uh, I'll know in about three weeks if that was a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, I guess you will, won't you? Because <laughs> if I've done it right, I should have about, you know, 100 pounds of potatoes. But awesome. <laughs> otherwise, uh, and I planted a number of uh, varieties, but uh, the, the um, Red Norlin, Yukon Gold, um, Superior, Kennebex, uh, there's lots of other varieties you can plant. Those are just the ones I tend to, I, that's ones I had this year. I, oh, that's the other thing. So we're going to have a video coming out uh, probably this week before the episode. So you know, hopefully you'll already seen it. Um, but the, I had an idea last fall of a way to uh, store seed potatoes. So if you plant your own potatoes and you get seeds in the, uh, you know, if you, you harvest your potatoes in the fall, you've got all these potatoes and you want to eat them. But you can take some of them and put them aside and stick them back in the ground in the uh, the following spring and those will become potato plants. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's a, you can buy seed potatoes as well. Uh, but it's even cheaper just to save your own. But doing this year after year, I've found that when I, I store them in my garage, which gets, you know, all winter, it might get down to as cold as four degrees Celsius. It never goes below freezing in my garage. Right. Um, but I find when I take them out of storage, and, and I've tried many different ways to store them. I've stored them in wood chips. I've stored them in sand. I've stored them in newspaper. Regardless, they have these six-inch, eight-inch, Ten-inch, sometimes even a foot-long eyes coming out of them, mm. and you can still plant them like that. But I don't find that they, uh, when they've got those really long eyes, I don't find them very productive. You, you get potatoes, but you get probably half what you should have got. Mm. Seems to be better if you put them in the ground with a short little stubby eyes. Right. When you buy seed potatoes at the at a garden center, that's the way they tend to be. And uh, with one of those, you might you might get like. Anywhere from six to eight potatoes per plant, which is, you know, or maybe even 10. If you get 10, 10 potatoes per plant, that's pretty good. Mm. So that's a 10 to 1 return on your investment. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> that's a good return, right? Um, so uh, I'm frustrated with uh, the relatively poor, you know, poor lack of success I've had with storing them. But I still have the principle of it. Is uh, it's totally worthwhile. The idea of just replanting stuff I planted, not having to pay for it, and getting free food just as a result of a bit of labor and some forethought—that's yeah. uh, attractive to me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to uh, try a different approach this time. And what I did was I—I've got these uh, people that watch some of my videos. They might have seen I've got these places that I do my composting. I have, uh, these. I guess I made them out of rotten log or logs, but they're about one cubic yard composting stations, and I just fill them full of leaves and seaweed and horse manure and whatever I can get my hands on, and uh, let it sit like that for a year or two. And then after a couple of years, you dig it up, and you've got some pretty, pretty good soil in there. So uh, I decided, you know what? I bet you two feet below the surface, so they're about three feet high. And they're about, you know, they're about three by three by three, right? So they're mm-hmm. about a meter, mm-hmm. a meter squared. So one square meter is the area, roughly, yeah. or one one cubic yard, right? One square yard. Yeah. So I thought, hey, if I dig one of these up and I put a 
styrofoam cooler just because someone I got the whole idea because someone had thrown a styrofoam cooler away on the side of the road. And I just grabbed course, it. I got the course. idea right there while I was driving home. Yeah. If I put all my potatoes in one of these coolers, which you know will sort of uh, uh, regulate the temperature somewhat and regulate the moisture somewhat and so on and so forth. Uh, so anyway, I put all my potatoes in one of these coolers and uh, put some newspaper in between the tiers so that there would be some degree of uh, control of moisture levels, just like a, a humidor effect sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I stuck it I, – I emptied the compost station. I put that cooler at the bottom and then I covered it with all that stuff, all that different kinds of debris. And so uh, today I dug that up and uh, – well, number one, the cooler had been smashed. <laughs> I don't know if my kids right. were jumping. I don't know if my – because the compost things are full of leaves. My daughter loves to jump on leaves anywhere they are. So I don't know if they, they jumped on it or I, I don't know what happened. But anyway, the cooler was smashed pretty badly. So it was completely compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, no uh, moles got in there and made a, made a feast of it. Yeah. The, but anyway, the, so it was a much uh, – it was more moist. The moisture levels were a bit too high and there was a bit of – mildew in there but from everything i can tell the potatoes were still viable and they had tiny little eyes so um that's sort of a uh uh root cellar hack i think is going to be the title of the uh cool. the video i like it because that's so much easier than you know a root cellar traditionally would be find the side of a hill and mine make mm-hmm. a mine into the side of it yeah <laughs> and the store your stuff in there so it's a lot easier than that way. You just you know you, you're just you're making use of your compost facility to uh, yeah. store things. Conceivably, you could store a lot of things that way. Yeah. And then the potatoes are ready to go because they they've been underground all that time. You're just moving them from one place underground to another place. So mm-hmm. I don't know. In three weeks, uh, three or four weeks, I'll know. Yeah. If it, worked or if it was a huge uh, huge fail epic yeah. fail either epic success or epic fail <laughs> and if it was an epic fail we just won't talk about it well it's too late now uh, <laughs> uh anyway so uh in terms of uh what's going on in the garden um uh, of course i just put potatoes in today this is mm-hmm. around may 9th uh but i've got in terms of what's up i've got uh, all my greens are either up or planted and should be up soon. So I've got uh, uh, Swiss chard up. I've got spinach up. I've got uh, dill and parsley up. Um, <clears throat> I include those. I plant those at the same time as my greens, even though they're not really greens. You know, yeah. you're not, you wouldn't eat a, a bowl of parsley. That would be, well, I guess you could. There's a, a tabbouleh salad. Uh, Lebanese is pretty good stuff. Anyway, um, they're all up. Um, my carrots and parsnips, as far as I can tell, aren't up. And I planted them a month ago, so I don't mm. know what's going on there. But uh, experience has taught me just to just to stay cool and just wait. Stay cool. Uh, just take it easy, you know. Just don't don't dig the whole thing up and redo it. They'll mm. come along. If they don't, maybe I mean they should be up by my God. If they're up, my, I'm up by the end of May, I got to replant. Mm. But uh, hopefully they'll come up. Uh, my beets are all up now. The beets, I when I planted them, I put uh, plastic over them. The episode I did, where uh, the the video I did, where I was showing these uh, solar heat magnets, I put uh, plastic over the beets, and so they they've been up for a while. And uh, I also did a garden where I put one of those hoop houses over, and I planted uh, Scotch curly kale, chicory, and uh, Brussels sprouts. And that was like a month ago, mm. and they're all up and they're all growing. 
So that's all growing. Uh, I also planted onions about a month ago. They're up. I planted, this is my first year trying this. I planted onions from seed. They require a long amount of time. I also bought some some onion sets. Those are the ones that are look like tiny little onions. Mm. You buy them you buy them in a bag uh, at a garden center. But um, I'm going to put those in other places. But I tried to grow some from seed because it's just uh, it's a lot cheaper to do it that way. You can get a hundred onions as seeds for a buck ninety nine, but for like four ninety nine, you get like twenty onion sets. Um, but that's all. But those ones will be along a lot sooner and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> um, what else? I also, this year, this is my first year trying this, I planted uh, Windsor beans. So a fava, there's different kinds of fava beans, but what, what the, one, one variety of fava beans called a, a Windsor bean. And um, most beans you would never plant them this time of year unless it was, you know, in your place that was warm. But around here, um, you don't plant beans until all oh, risk of frost is done because the, the seeds can't take being wet and cold. They don't mm-hmm. like it. They're just, just like you or me. We don't like being wet or cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but fava beans are a different kind of bean. They're more pea-like in that sense. Um, so like my, my peas, which I planted a month ago, they're all about two inches high now and they're, you know, growing. They're at that stage now where any time I get any sort of heat, they grow an inch, inch a day at least. Uh, but the Windsor beans I planted last week. So I'll be, that's my first year trying them, but we'll see. That's a bean that you don't eat it as a, as a, you don't eat the, the whole pod. You just eat the seed inside the pod. Um, but they're a very tasty, uh, sort of bean. I got another variety of, uh, fava bean as well uh, an italian variety but i'm not going to mess around with those i'll i'll plant those uh in about two or three weeks mm. uh so what we got here carrots parsons pails potatoes the peas are up um and uh also in my cold frames i have planted my tomatoes eggplants and peppers so uh around uh middle of march or end of march i planted kale and spinach and lettuce in my cold frames Mm. and those all came up um and i moved them all out into other parts of the garden uh about a week or two ago uh the kale's doing fine a couple of the kale have been attacked by different things but generally speaking the kale's doing quite good and it's growing now and the uh uh the lettuce, which is like a romaine type, is called Paris Cos, that variety. Um, it, it ends up looking like romaine lettuce from the grocery store, only it tastes way better. Um, that's doing fine. But the spinach, um, even though my theory was that if you grew them like that and not in little cups, spinach does not transplant well in my experience. I've never you know, grown them in those little transplant cups and had them uh, transplant well. But I thought if I grew them in the ground... Because uh, in my cold frames, everything's in the ground. I thought if I could get enough of the soil surrounding the spinach with it, mm-hmm. um, maybe it wouldn't mind being moved. But within about a week, half of them were killed. Now, it might have just been the garden bed I put them in. But as far as I can tell, some sort of leaf miner or leaf borer or God knows what. So, you know, like I would come out in the morning. Every day I would come out in the morning and two or three of them would just have there was pieces of leaves all over the place. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> so, uh, uh, have a tiny bit of that, uh, what's it called? R- rhodonone, which is a, a mm. dust, 
poisonous dust that uh, animals, uh, no insect likes. Um, so I hit them with that. But of course, with that, you got to be diligent because anytime it rains, it, it only, uh, that stuff, I think it's got like, uh, it breaks down within 24 hours or 48 hours. Even without rain, it breaks down. I think without rain, it breaks down. Just sunlight breaks it down to nothing in about 48 hours. So, and that's why they use it in organic gardens and stuff like that. But I mean, if it's, if it's on the plant, and the pest eats it. The, pe- the pest dies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you got to keep going out and you know re reapplying it and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I hit the ones that were still alive with that, and it seems to have helped them, but they're still not that good. Uh, by contrast, um, around oh I don't know three weeks ago, I planted I straight seeded spinach in some of my gardens, and. Uh, all I did with those, and this is a trick that I do, is uh, I have little pieces of uh, strips of plastic that are about a foot wide and about three or four feet long. Mm-hmm. Uh, between uh, and on the long side, I've got pieces of wood. Everything can where my garden is, and anyone who's watched my videos, it's windy. <laughs> it's yeah. always wind, and everything you put there has to be weighted down in some way, or it just blows away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've got plastic, but I, I've got this sort of thing that holds it in place. So. Uh, one row of the spinach I had underneath one of those little hoop houses that came up fine. The other row of spinach I had under just under a little piece of plastic. Anyway, they came up fine. Now, so they came up two weeks after the, the cold frame spinach, but they're almost they've almost caught up to the cold frame spinach in size already. And I anticipate in two weeks they'll have over overtaken them. Uh, spinach doesn't like to be moved. <laughs> <laughs> so no. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it as a transplant if you're buying transplants straight seed it and uh, I wouldn't even you know I mean this is just me speaking here I mean maybe I'm sure there's people out there that that are more skilled than me or they've got more finesse with these sorts of things but uh, I wouldn't bother messing around with spinach grow it put the seed in where you want it to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Yeah. This is like my third time messing around with spinach and it never. The, the results are so variable as opposed to just if you plant it where you want it to grow, it works out great. Uh, it's, a, it's a cold, you know, it's a cold weather uh, vegetable anyway. Um, so if you can do something to give it a bit of a jump start, like where I did putting a hoop house over it or putting some plastic over it, um, that's that's fine because it gets it, you know, gets it germinated and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once once you see it up, you can take all that protection off. It doesn't mind being. Uh, you know, it doesn't mind frost, doesn't mind anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, you know, for the sake of people that think, oh, uh, you can't do this or you can't do that, or it's too early, or you can't plant till May, uh, you know, the Victoria Day weekend, May, uh, in Canada, that's, you know, we, we celebrate the, the Queen's birthday because mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're subjects of the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are peasants. Um, so we get it. We get one day off as a result of being uh, peasants. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, people tend to view that date, which is around the last second. Uh, it's either the last around the last weekend of May. As if you talk to people, just or, you know, if you're just talking to people about your garden, so oh, I got this. Oh, I thought you couldn't plant till uh, Victoria Day weekend, mm. which I think is Memorial Day weekend in the United States. It's around the same time. Um, the end of May, um, they don't celebrate the Queen, of course. Yeah. 
that whole war and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole uh, war thing about the queen, uh, they solved that. Or I guess it would have been a king at that time. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty. All your greens, or almost all of your greens, you, you know, certain ones I found, like, so I've got three kinds of kale. I got uh, Scotch curly kale, I've got uh, red Russian kale, and I've got lacinato kale. And the order of those kales, uh, I have found anyway, the Scotch curly kale, you, that's, that seems to be the most tolerant of cold. Mm. So you can plant that practically as soon as the soil can be worked. But the red Russian kale likes a bit more heat. And I mean, I didn't even mess around with straight seeding my red Russian kale this year. I planted it in the cold frames and it came up great. Uh, the, the cold frame kale was the strongest, most impressive cold frame plant I had. And they're about three inches high right now. So, and they're growing, even despite the fact that it's been quite cool here. Um, they're growing every day. Um, so that worked out great, and I will do that next year. Mm. Uh, and of the three kales, uh, I would say that the uh, Lacinato kale is the most tender of I mean, they're all kale. You'd think they'd all be the same, but they're not. I, I find that uh, you can't plant that too early. You have to, I would plant your Lacinato kale right around now, which is what I did. And even then, if you plant it right now, I would put some sort of something over it to magnify the heat. You know, put some black uh, uh, landscaping fabric over it to draw the heat in or put some plastic over it. But you know, as I said in the previous episode, if you're going to put plastic over stuff to, to magnify the heat, you got to check it every day because right. as, soon, as soon as the seedlings start to come out of the ground, you got to get that plastic. You know, if, you, if you're just putting plastic right on the ground, it's different if you've got a dome or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just plastic right on the ground. It's, it'll kill them. You know, you got to get it off. You got to check every morning. And uh, if you see them coming through, get that plastic off. Mm. Uh, so I planted my, uh, I just planted my lacinato kale and I put that under plastic. So we'll see, uh, you know, probably in a, about seven days, it should be uh, doing something. Cool. So um, the other thing is that, yeah, my, all my rhubarb is up now. Mm. So I, I've got a friend in Wolf, uh, I got a friend who lives an hour away in a part of the province that's just a little bit warmer because it's more protected from the ocean and breezes and stuff. Her rhubarb was up a month ago now, and I've got, in different parts of my garden, different results. I've got a rhubarb right next to the doorway that goes into my garden, and that's, you know, the leaves are about five inches wide. Yeah. And I've got another part of my garden which gets better sun, and it's got better soil, yeah. uh, and it's got everything you could possibly want if you were a rhubarb, yeah. and just barely poking through the ground. So I don't get that. Like, I, I planted one plant, I just jammed it in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, coming up great. And I jammed it just in like the, the if anyone's seen footage of my garden, um, in the walkways between the beds is just wood chips over the clay that was there. Mm. And uh, so I just jammed the rhubarb plant in that, and that's the biggest one. The one I've got in the garden bed with the sheep manure and chicken manure and all this other stuff, you know, is seaweed and blah, blah, blah. The, those are just coming into the ground. Oh, one more point I want to make. Uh, anyone that watched that video where I put all the seaweed last year, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the, I think I did a video in July or sorry, I did a video in January. Um, all the beds that have seaweed on them, if there's any sort of sun out, that seaweed gets hot. Like you wouldn't believe oh, yeah? it's, it's, it's an, yeah. So I've got garden beds that have wood chips on them. Right. Mm. And if it's a nice sunny day, then this, the soil's warm. But if I jam my hand in the garden beds where I've got three inches of seaweed, it's like a 
like a feels like someone's body, like it's body heat in there, mm. like thirty degrees or something. Something really fascinating happens with that stuff. It must have a lot of. And they say it's an activator for compost heaps. Yeah, uh, it certainly uh, seems to be that that case. If any sort of heat gets on that, it starts starts working. Mm. So today I planted a whole bunch of potatoes uh, underneath the, the beds with the seaweed. So we'll see how that works. Cool. Awesome update. So there you go. That's, uh, that's Greg's update, early May 2017. Yeah, I just thought it would be helpful for anyone trying to think, what, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? And, you know, uh, hopefully uh, everything works out i've got a, evidence of some pests i've seen a little bit of uh, very little but a, in a little bit of slug activity and uh, a little bit of leaf borer activity mm-hmm. it's these weird uh, bugs that go inside your leaves the little tiny flies lay little tiny eggs and these little tiny caterpillar things uh, eat your leaves mm. so uh, previous years i've been lackadaisical about that I'll just, you know, just let nature sort it out. And this year, I'm just not messing around. (laughs) Well, because I've had it so bad, I think, honestly, my garden has just uh, still not achieved the the balance that a permaculture is supposed to have where the good pests uh, balance out the bad pests. I I think I have an overabundance of bad pests. So I'm, you know, balancing the equation with... uh, with killing everything. <laughs> Good one. Good I'll forgive one. myself for that. It's just, yeah. you know, next year maybe I'll have that garden. And I've had, you know, when I, when I was in Wolfville, I didn't have to use anything. My garden, literally, I was there for six years and I never used anything on my garden and mm. everything, you know, the odd thing would get a slug attack or, you know, the odd uh, cabbage lopper or, you know, I had the odd pest, but I, the net, you know, the net result was never, Never, I never even worried about pests. Yeah, um, so just had the right. I was also in a suburb there, so it's different when your garden backs onto a forest. I just think it's a different ecosystem. Hmm. Um, a little cool. more wild, a little more of a wild west out here in the in the jungle. <laughs> the Terrence Bay jungle. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, so that was episode thirty six of the MaritimeGardening.com podcast. You can check the show notes at MaritimeGardening.com slash 036. Uh, Become a fan on Facebook if you haven't already. Uh, Sometimes we draw some winners for various things there. Join our email newsletter. Just go to MaritimeGardening.com, fill out your email in the little form on the right, and we sometimes have some contests there as well. So Keep in touch and uh, keep listening. We appreciate it. And that'll do it for today. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye-bye.